dive into a little bit today about uh, just just how to how do you read the word? How do we pray? And Jesus said, you know, what's everything you ask for when you pray, not if. A lot of people are like, well, if you know, I might pray if I get around to it. It's like no when. Like it should be a part. It should be a normal part of our everyday life. Normal part of our everyday life. And I, I remember you asking me a question about, uh, I don't remember where it says, but you were saying something along the lines, uh, the word says, you know, like when you pray, um, don't use these big words. It's not about impressing people. And you were asking me about, you know, how do you pray in church if it's not about, you know, other people, you know, do you remember yeah, having that conversation? Yeah. Do you remember that verse? I'm having a hard time. Yeah, it's 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 right before the Lord's Prayer where it's teaching, uh, don't be like those people who just, you know, babble on and they're just like impressing people with their with their words and sounding really great and they only do that to impress the public, but they don't really have a personal prayer life. Don't be like them. You're kind of missing the whole the whole thing. And then he goes yeah. on to teach us the pattern of prayer. And my answer to that was I think prayer is private. I think prayer uh, is really a private moment. And I think when you're in front of the church or in front of people, that's really where we're operating in a prophetic gift where we're declaring or you're more declarative. You're declaring things over people, declaring things over a group, declaring things. Uh, but there is a total difference of when you're alone. Jesus said, you know, when you pray, go into your prayer closet, shut the door, and your father that, you know, hears you in secret will reward you openly. So I think prayer is that private and time with God. There's times in my life where I've gotten really good and kind of rehearsed. Um, and I've met a lot of leaders like this in church um, in getting on the microphone, getting in front of people and praying and sounding like I've got a real prayer life. Right. And you could, oh, that's a man of prayer. You could look at that person. But really, I just got really good at being in front of people and rehearsing a well put together thing but God really started to show me that my personal you know behind the closed doors prayer closet in my room personal time wasn't as strong sure. as it could have been a couple months ago you were teaching the church on prayer and you mentioned um you talking about having a, having the right place mm. kind of setting that, that you got to have yeah. a place especially with me you got eight kids my house literally sounds like an insane asylum yeah how do you pray in a people a, are screaming crying there's musical instruments being beaten on there's some youtube cartoon Going being off. played somebody is you know um crying coughing someone's in trouble over here and someone's getting disciplined um uh, it's it's literally you know somebody's banging on pots and pans it's literally like walking into <laughs> like the most crazy environment so in the where world. do you Find the space or the quiet or... I, I've got to find... Uh, I, I get up first. Yeah. I've just got to get up early. You know, one prophet said early in the morning while I seek you. And I think it's important. You know, it's it's like I've said before. You know, when's the best time to pray? When you'll pray. But I do think the morning uh, and the evening are the best times. And we should consecrate time with that. So if my kids are getting up at this time, I've got to get up an hour ahead of them. I've got to get up, you know, before them. It's like today we're shooting this at... Let's see, it's 7.14 in the morning. And, uh, you know, I've been up since 5 because we have our men's prayer every Tuesday at um, 6 a.m. By the way, guys who are listening to this anywhere in the world, 
can jump on Central Time. How do they jump on that? What can they do? They can just text. um, They can just go onto our app. That's the easiest way. The Creative Church app or creativechurch.com slash events. And you'll get the Zoom link there and and all that kind of stuff. And you'll be able to find it every single week. Yeah. And just jump on. And we have over 100 men jump on and pray every Tuesday morning, 6 a.m. And so, you know, my house is quiet. Just completely quiet. So I've just got to do it in the morning. And I think idols tend to want your first and last. You know, if you struggle with addiction, you know, man, I got to have a drink, smoke, pornography, whatever. It fights you hardest in the morning and last at night because idols want to be that place in your life. They want your first in the morning and they want your last at night because I believe that that has a lot to do with worship. And God wants to be your first in the morning and last at night. And so I think you need a place and I think you need... uh or whether it's get in your car and go for a drive. Sometimes I have, I've had to do that or go for a walk. Or buy uh, the Apple noise cancellation headphones. You know, I've had to you do that too. Time, Whatever yeah. you got to do to get there, go in the garage. You know, I've had to do all these kind of things. Uh, but you need a you need a place. I, I really think it's important to have a place of prayer that like, you know, your cool place. The Bible says that um, uh, Adam met God in the in the, the cool place, you know, in the in the the coolness of the garden. I think you got to have that cool place with God where he shows up. And if you're not there, he's like, where are you? And I think it, it as a, as a dad and I'm a new dad of one, you've got eight. Yeah. Um, you're on your way. Yeah. I'm starting to think, well, what is he, what is my son going to see of me as far as like where I, where and when and how I prioritize prayer as a man? Because a lot of people don't see that in their dads or see that at home. Mm-hmm. They don't have an example. And so it's, it's hard to understand how do you do that in your everyday life. And so I've been trying to do that where I found a place. Um, there's this one room in the house that was kind of my, you know, I play music, so I play keyboard. So it's kind of my practice room to play keys. But it kind of have has become my, let me go in there for my time of prayer. I leave the phone outside. I leave my laptop outside. I don't like bring that in because I know me and I know I'm going to just get so distracted. Mm-hmm. And so either I'll start playing piano, I'll read the Bible or whatever and start praying. And um, and he's really little now, but I, I would really, it's on my heart that he would grow up and see that when dad goes there, when dad goes in that room, when dad spends time over there, um, when he carves out every day a little moment to be in there. Um, and it might change throughout the years if we have more kids or anything gets louder and crazier like your house. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but or, or when dad takes that drive or when dad is, you know, I want him to see a legacy of like, that's what it means to be a man of prayer regularly at home. Like not just see me at church on stage doing it in front of people, but he sees that I have that private part, that private like uh, piece of my life that is in tune with God, you know? Yeah, because the best place to raise an atheist is a religious home, which is something, you know, religion is something you only do at church and it's not something that you practice. I I think uh, one of the mistakes that I made that if I could go back, which I am, I am changing now with this, uh, this, the bottom three, really the twins is I wish I had started. I wish I had known this and would have started this uh, when they were all small. But, uh, one of the things I'm starting to do with the twins is I'm sitting down with them in their high chairs and I, I kind of get in front of them and open the Bible and uh, start reading the Bible to them. Hmm. They have no clue what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, 
I think I don't think they understand it. They don't really know why we're doing it. Uh, but I think sometimes as parents, we don't tend to do that till they're like, you know, five, you know, four or five, we start to go, oh, okay, we're gonna, you know, now read the Bible. We tend not to do it because we think, well, they don't understand it. We're not going to do it. But the challenge with that is you, they don't have a discipline of doing that. So for instance, like, you know, we had the twins during COVID and because of that, the first like 15 months, they're only like 18, 19 months old. I don't know exactly, but the first, <laughs> Something like that. the first 15 months, uh, they were never around people and they were never at restaurants. Just your family pretty much. At home, Just our yeah. family. So the minute we started getting them around people, they were freaking out. And getting them around restaurants where we would say, you know, the other kids, they were always at restaurants. Don't touch the knife. Don't touch the spoon, all kind of stuff. So at this age, typically 18, 19 months, they were like, good, right? Well, these two are like, what is all this stuff? We've never been there. And it really triggered in me to think, you know, we think they're not picking up, but they're picking up. We think they're not learning, but they're learning. And I think when you don't start the habit of sitting down with them and making the discipline to read the word till you think they understand what happens is you typically never do it. But we, we teach them how to like, um, get dressed, brush their teeth, brush their teeth when they're little. And by showing them often, how to use a fork. That's a how knife. we do it. We do it by showing them. We do it by yeah. showing them. We, but we at least sit them through the, we sit them down through the process. Knowing that they're still not going to really they're grasp th- They may yet. throw food yeah. on the floor or do something like that, but mm. you're still sitting at the table. That's good. You still have a little plastic fork. You still have a little, like all the other things in life. This is how you hold a bottle. This is how you drink water. This is how all these other things in life, even though they're totally screwing it up, we're still walking them through the process. But when it comes to devotional life, we're like, no, we're not going to do anything. Until we feel like they can understand. Until we feel like they understand. But that's like, can you imagine if we didn't dress them until they understood how to button a shirt? Can you imagine if we didn't like ever teach them how to eat? Yeah. Until they like understood how how to spell fork. Right. Or how to spell <laughs> knife or how to spell, like, and so we do this with, um, our, our kids. And then what happens is it's so much harder to develop that habit, right? They're like, well, what are we doing? And then, and then what happens is you start to not do it as much. And I, I really would encourage parents, even with little kids sitting down with them, opening the Bible, praying with them, even if you're just praying the word over them or declaring the word over them, but them getting used to seeing the word of God opened that there's a time for prayer. Mom and dad lay their hands on them. They bless them. They don't know everything about it, but they know this is an important moment. You don't misbehave in this moment. Yeah, Just yeah. like we say, hey, we're having dinner. Don't misbehave. Don't do. All these kind of things we do, except when it comes to the walk with God. That's good. I'm writing that one down. That's, and it's that's just something tip. like I saw you had posted the other day. Like you had a drum set with Wes and you were uh, – he was beating on this little drum. You know, he just had a stick and he's hitting it. And he literally watches you do it first or watches a video of it and then picks it up. And you know it's not right. Right. But you, he's he's already learning. And and people are already seeing. People would see a kid like that doing that and say, oh, he's going to be a drummer. They could, they could speak it over him because he's watching it, doing it. Oh, they go, oh, yeah, he's going to be a drummer. You're teaching him how to play drums already. Yeah, why aren't we teaching them how to read the Bible or oh, have that? Pr- we don't, yeah, wow. We That's don't sit good. down with the Bible yet. You know, they, cause they don't understand it, so we're not going to do that. And it's like, no, we should be teaching them to lay their hands on people. We should be teaching them, you know, we should just be walking them through the process like everything else. 
um, that that we do, even if they don't understand it all, even if they don't get it right, yeah. even it, because what happens, it becomes a part of their norm. Putting your shoes on is normal. Um, you know, getting dressed is normal. Brushing your teeth yeah. is normal. Like, these are normal behaviors. And so uh, I think, you know, bringing it into their world, introducing it to them at five and six and seven, it's too late. You know, yeah. or I wouldn't say it's too late. It's just much easier if it's a part of their world on the front end. Like, they know when they get up, they got to get dressed. Or they eat something. Or they brush their teeth. They know that. Uh, but now you're introducing something at seven, right? Or yeah. 10 or five. Imagine introducing getting dressed at five. That's got to be or brushing so much your teeth at seven, right? Habit, it's like yeah. so much. It's got to be a part of your yeah. habit. Hey, just want to say thanks again for tuning in today. Please uh, like this podcast and comment. We read every single comment and share this, if you would, on your social media platforms. And thanks again to our sponsor today, selfimpermit.com.